0: Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise, for it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous Caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my fault. And saw my need. Forever Christ. Shall be my hope and loving joy. For me he died and raised to live again. With my whole heart I give myself a sacrifice. He is my rock and only righteousness. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary. To view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my fall. All my need. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me.
1: Well, amen. Aren't you glad he looked beyond our fault and saw our need, amen? Boy, that's good. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, and again, we're looking forward to tonight's service. And then, of course, next Sunday night, I'm really looking forward to that as well. And we're going to have special music for you, I'm making a few notes as we were just, uh, just uh, here just a moment ago. Um, I have, uh, basically on the way in, I kind of wrote a little thing in my head, you know. And I kind of wrote it out, and as I was driving, of course, I was using the hands-free mode on my phone and talking into my phone, hands-free, well, one hand-free. Uh, but I wasn't, like, reading, I was just talking. Okay, so nobody's in danger, nobody in trouble. But I wasn't breaking any laws, to my knowledge. Now, in certain states, I would have been, but not in the state of Ohio. Okay, so, so far, so good. And then, uh, hopefully, before it's over with, I'll get one of those cars that has one of those things in it, and you can just talk. Well, that'd be a good thing, huh? I can't wait to get one of those. And then it has a backup camera. I was using my wife's vehicle the other day, and it has a backup camera. I'll tell you what, I am an expert parker with that thing. It's amazing how well I park with that backup camera. It's great. I love it. Now, if that thing ever gets, you know, the calibration gets off or something, we could have real problems, you know. But nonetheless, so far, so good. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to have a great time next Sunday night at our our, uh, candlelight service. And again, we'll have some uh, singing, special music, and just a great time as we gather. And as Brother Kavanaugh said, our goal is not to stick around here real late or long. Uh, We do want to get in. We want to enjoy some fellowship and also honor the Lord Jesus Christ, bring some attention to the light of the world. And uh, then we'll go ahead and make our ways to our homes, our families, and enjoy the Christmas season you ought to enjoy it you know you ought to really relish it you ought to just try to now again unfortunately let's be honest and I do think it's important to note this that there are some in this crowd even that have experienced some tremendous loss in their lives and this is a very difficult time of year when we're all happy and excited and we're having a joyful time with family and things they're unfortunately remembering the loss of of loved ones be compassionate and considerate of people. Uh, show them kindness and consideration. Uh, don't be afraid to say, uh, I know this must be difficult at this time of year. I'm praying for you. We miss him too. We miss her too. There's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to bring up something they're not already thinking about. And just let them know you're you're praying for them. And, and do the best you can to make them feel welcome and loved and received. Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, we'll read there first. But while he thought on these things, what in the world's going on here? Well, just by way of introduction, we have Joseph now thinking about a couple of things. What's he thinking about? Well, he's thinking about the fact that this woman that he was going to marry is with child already. And he's beginning to ponder and think, what in the world am I going to do about it? Do I put her away privately? Do I make her a public spectacle? How do I deal with the situation? How do I address this circumstance that I find myself in? He's thinking. He's pondering. He's wondering. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I was Joseph, I would have needed an angel to come talk to me too. I don't think I could have taken Mary's word for it. I don't think I could have taken her mom and daddy's word for it. I don't think I could have taken anybody's word for it, but the angel that came to say to me. Many, many years before in the book of Isaiah, it had been prophesied that a virgin, a woman, without, had never been with a man, would have a child, that Jesus Christ, who would be Emmanuel, God with us, would be born. Long before it ever happened, it was prophesied, foretold. And this is the fulfilling of that prophecy. I want you to take your Bible, look over the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 now. So Joseph is confronted with a dilemma and yet we see an angel comes to him and says by the way I want you to realize and recognize that this is supernatural work it is God work this is not the 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 uh the the, the um I guess um happenings of man this is God do, doing something unique and special and don't be concerned it's all right it's a prophetical it's prophecy being fulfilled Luke chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. It goes on to say, And so it was that while they were there, talking about Bethlehem now, Joseph and Mary made their way to Bethlehem. It was at that point, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So here in this passage, we see now Not just the prophecy, but we see the fulfillment completely. We now have a child. And that child is found in a stable, in a manger. Exactly as the Bible had prescribed and had prophesied earlier. What a wonderful story. No, let's change that. What a wonderful account. Jesus, God in flesh, came to earth by way of the manger. And boy, i tell you what, I am so glad today that He came. Aren't you glad? Amen. May Jesus Christ, God in flesh, literally the creator of the universe, was found in that manger. That's an amazing truth. It's so hard to wrap our minds around it. I don't believe that I can even grasp it. I really can't figure it out. I can't make it add up. I mean, the thought that literally the creator of the universe ended up in a little stall in a in a manger and as a little baby. That, that just doesn't add up. But then again, neither does God in our minds. One that always was and always will be. We by faith believe God's word and we take it as gospel and we apply it to our lives. And today I want you to know and that, that today I believe that Jesus Christ was indeed God in flesh, and that He was that little babe in a manger that grew up a sinless, perfect man that ultimately laid down His life on Calvary. What a wonderful account. And I'm so glad He came. And you say, why are you so glad He came? I'll tell you why. Because He came, I can go. There's a few truths I want to share with you, and then we'll just kind of mix in a reality from time to time. And that reality is simply this. Because He came, I can go. But I want to share just a few truths first, and then we'll finish this thing out. But we're so glad you're here today. And may the Lord speak to your heart in this Christmas season. I love Christmas. I love celebrating with my family. I just like being around people in this time of year. I know it can be difficult. As Brother Don had mentioned in our Go Rally, that sometimes, although people are a little more in tune with the Christmas story, if you will, they're also extremely busy and moving about in the hustle and bustle of life. I kind of like the hustle and bustle a little bit. I have to admit, I kind of like going to that store for about 20 minutes, and watching people, especially older ladies, run over people, getting to special items. I love seeing things that just this and this and going here and going there. I I like it. I kind of enjoy it for about 20 minutes, and then I go, enough's enough. Let's get out of here. Christmas. Let's consider some truths today from the Word of God. Father, we need you. We love you. We pray, Father, that you would meet with us now in these next few moments. Help us as we articulate these truths. And then, Lord, as we are so glad for the reality. May, Father, if there be one, even one in this place that is without Jesus Christ, that has never, ever settled their sole salvation and their eternal destination, may they settle it today. Oh, God, fill me with your spirit. May I be your mouthpiece this morning. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. May all distractions, Father, flee from this place. May our focus be completely on you and your word. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First truth, number one. Nothing you probably haven't heard before, but according to the word of God, all men and women are sinners. Remember, because He came, I can go. But the truth is, according to the Word of God, all men and women are sinners. Look, if you would, in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. A question, a couple of questions are asked. And then, some statement made. But notice what it says in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. The Apostle Paul is writing now under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Aren't you glad today, when you really look at things... Well, No matter what, quote, side of the tracks you were born on. doesn't matter how much money you came from or how little money you came from. It doesn't matter what gender or nationality or race you are. My friend today, I want you to know, there's not one person that's any better than the next. We are all in the same boat. We are all on the same plane. We are all equal in the sight of a holy God. And according to the Word of God, we are all. Under sin. As it is written verse 10, there is none righteous, no not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no not one. It doesn't matter how well dressed a person may be. It doesn't matter how groomed their hair, their nails, and their features are. It does not matter, my friend. We are all just sinners, and we are all just in the muck and the mire of this world. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans 3.23 simply puts it this way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all failed to measure up to God's perfect standard. And because we fail to measure up to God's perfect standard today, truth number two comes into play. Because we are sinners, we need a Savior. Yeah. Amen. Because we are sinners, we need a Savior. And someone says, well, I'm not a big sinner. You don't have to be a big sinner. Let me ask you something. Um, excuse me, can I have... Um, Brother, why don't you come up here real quick, would you please? Okay, this, Brother Steve will do. He's, come on, Brother Cavanaugh, I mean, excuse me. Why don't you stand right here, Brother? And then, Brother, he's down, right, right here, right here. What? Well, you're getting taller. You're not supposed to get taller. He's really gotten tall. You go back down. You're too tall. Come on now, run. Come on, I need your, I need you now. Hurry up. Look at that, to be young again. There we go. Now watch this. Someone says, I'm not a big sinner. I'm a little sinner. I'm not like that guy or that gal. They're big sinners. Wait a second. Let me ask you something. Before you stands, two people. Does he cease to be a person because he is little? Only he's a person? No, they're both people. They both are persons. Because one is big and one is little does not take away from what they are. They're still equally people. You can be a little sinner, but you are a sinner, my friend. You can be a big sinner and you are just as much a sinner as the little sinner because we're all just sinners. Someone says, yeah, but I don't do the things that that big sinner does. I don't care. You are a sinner not because of what you do. You are a sinner because of what you are, who you are at the very root. When Adam sinned in the garden, my friend, he passed that sin on to every last human being. And may I say, you can be a little or a big sinner. You can do horrible things or just little things as we would, you know, like to put them on planes. But God says sin is sin in my eyes. Big or little sinner. My friend, you are equally a sinner according to Romans chapter 3. Thank you, gentlemen. And because we are sinners, we need a Savior. Now listen, we all want to go to heaven when we die, don't we? And someone says, I'm not convinced there is a heaven. Well, that's a whole nother issue. But I'm going to tell you today that the Bible teaches that if you believe that that baby that came to, to earth that day was somebody other than a person, it was literally God, the God-man, then I'm going to tell you, you've got to believe the rest of the Bible that teaches there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I'll tell you, if you believe in anything spiritual, you know that there's something after this life. And may I say, I want to go to heaven. I don't know about you, but I think most of us in this room would say, heaven is where I want to be. But that, my friend, is impossible in the sinful state that we're found. It's impossible. And that is why God, the Bible tells us, sent his only begotten son into this world. Because we, you and I as sinners, needed a Savior. And Jesus, as we said already, lived a sinless, perfect life. Although you and I can't even comprehend a life without sin, Jesus Christ was born without a Father, an earthly Father. And because of that fact, He did not, He was not born with a sin nature and he could make the decision to sin or not, and he was sinless and perfect. And someone says, well, God could not sin. I don't know. On one hand, we say God can do anything, but then we say he can do anything but sin. I don't know. All I know is he was sinless. You can go ahead and play the semantics. You can go figure it out. Say, well, I take the stand that he could never sin. Anything he ever did would never be sin. I guess if God wanted to sin, he could because he is God. But on the other hand, he never would because he is God. I don't know. That's crazy, right? So I won't think about that because it makes no sense. Because in reality, let's be honest, anything God did would be perfect, right? Wow, this is confusing. But you and I, we know all about sin. We live with it. We deal with it. We face it every day of our life, if we're honest. And the truth is, is that that's why Jesus Christ came and he had to be born without an earthly father. And he was sinless. And he did grow to be a perfect sacrifice. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 4.14, uh, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. In 1 Peter 3.18, the Bible says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Boy, I'll tell you what, because we're sinners, we needed a Savior. And may I say that Jesus Christ fit the bill. He made it. He lived up to the billing, too. So according to the Word of God, all men and women are sinners. Truth two, because we're sinners, we need a Savior. Truth number three, when it is all said and done, we will all face the veil and cross over to the other side. What are we really saying? We're all going to die if Jesus doesn't return. In Hebrews nine twenty-seven, the Bible says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment you realize there's an appointment that you have? It's on God's calendar. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. The fact is, whether you're healthy or you're ill, the truth is there's an appointment. Every one of us will keep that appointment. Church begins at 10 o'clock for Sunday school. Starts at 11 o'clock for the main service. 6 o'clock tonight. 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. May I say today, many people aren't on time. This is one appointment you won't be late for. This is one appointment you can't reschedule. This appointment you and I will keep. And may I say it's already on the celestial calendar. It's already on the heavenly calendar. Calendar. God already knows when I'll be going. Some people say, boy, I'll tell you what, I wish I knew when I was going to die, so I wouldn't have to worry about dying. If you knew when you were going to die, I wouldn't care when it was, you'd still be worried. And by the way, sometimes, and may I say this, and I don't really, I guess, personally understand this, but I've heard people say these things. There are some things worse than death. So maybe death would be welcomed even. Maybe it wouldn't be worth living till I'm 100. Maybe it would be better off if I didn't make it to 95. Maybe it would be good if I didn't live to 80, if I have to live a certain way. I don't know, but what I'm glad for today is that I don't know. But it is on the calendar, and it is appointed unto men once to die. We are going to. We have an appointment to keep. When it's all said and done, we'll all face the veil and cross over to the other side. And this life is simply a preparation for that event. In this life, you and I are given an opportunity to solidify our place with Jesus Christ. Our standing with the God of heaven. We are given opportunities to build a relationship with Him. A relationship that grows as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A lot of people fear death. And their future destination. I guess I would too. If I didn't have the peace and confidence that I was going to heaven when I die. Now listen. I didn't say that you have to be anxious to go all the time. I I don't know that you always have to be going. Man I hope I die today. Man I hope today's the day. I, I don't know that that's how you ought to live your life. Because obviously God has a purpose and a plan. You ought to be looking forward to what God has for you in life. If death comes, then we, we're okay. We're, we're willing to let God have his will. But, boy, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know that we should walk around just going, Boy, today's the day I, I hope I get to go. I, I don't know. I, I know the Apostle Paul had the spirit, that spirit, but I don't think he went around telling everybody, Man, I hope I don't have to hang out with you guys. I hope I get to die first. I, I don't get that. I and mean, One time I read that in the Scriptures where it's like, For your sake, I'm going to stick around. Not only that, but let me just say this too. Sometimes the anxiety of death isn't just the fact that we die. There's an anxiety because of who we'll leave behind. It makes it tough, doesn't it? The situation may, we may leave loved ones in, and that takes faith too. And that takes, you know, reliance on Jesus Christ to know that He wouldn't remove me and not take care of that which He's been taking care of all along. There's also that concern as in death that the journey may not be very comfortable. It could be really tough. And so when we think about death and we talk about fearing death, sometimes we may bring in other things all as well. Oh, I'm worried. I, I fear death because I fear what it will mean to my family, my friends and loved ones. I fear death because I'm concerned about the journey that will take to get to the grave. It's not the grave itself I'm worried about. It's not that I'll be in heaven that I'm concerned about. I have that settled. I'm just a little concerned how I'm going to get there. Those are things ultimately that by faith we have to trust the Lord too. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow. But if it's death itself that you fear, you're fearful of the grave because you're not certain of the future, then my friend, that's something that can be resolved. That's something that can be fixed in your life. Truth number four. You must first receive Christ as your Savior. That's the first thing you need to do. See, the Bible's pretty clear, isn't it? According to the Word of God, all men and women are sinners. Truth two, because we are sinners, we need a Savior. Truth three, when it's all said and done, we're all going to face the veil and cross over to the other side. And four, you must receive Christ as your Savior then. There's no other way. John chapter 1, verse 12. Turn there, would you please? I, I really love this verse. John chapter, excuse me, John chapter 1 verse 12. If I said it backwards. But i tell you, it's crazy. You put your phone on silent and then your watch is like independent. It's like it has its own mind. I keep forgetting to put it on that, that moon. So it's now on the moon. It won't be going off anymore. And neither were yours now. Thank you. So, you, John chapter 1, verse 12. These phones and watches are like sinners. We're all sinners. And just like that, all of our phones go off from time to time when we don't want them to. Have you ever notice that? you ever been making a visit and it starts going off? And you're, you know, you're in the hospital. Or you're somewhere where the phone's supposed to be off, but you didn't turn it off. Because you just forgot. You would never do that knowingly, I'm sure. Man, you freak out. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to the message. John one twelve. Notice it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You know, we really have no part in our own salvation. We understand that salvation is by grace through faith. We get it. We understand that. We know that there's no way that we could earn God's favor. Clear. It's clear. But the Bible does say, But as many as... Receive Him. There is an element where we open our heart to the Lord. Where we permit Him in in that sense. Where we allow our will to be His will. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we willingly yield to His will and say, I repent and I receive you into my life. I'm not doing anything to be saved other than receive the Savior. He's the one doing the saving. He's the one making the change. He's the one making the difference in my life. He's the one that guarantees me a home in heaven. There's nothing I could ever do to deal with my own sin and somehow earn favor with God and a place in His abode. Romans 10:13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you realize that death is a separation from God? That's really what it is. Turn, if you would, over to Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, that's, that's a terrible thing. To even contemplate or consider. But when it's all said and done. It is being separated from God. To die that second death. Physically we will all die. But then we will die again. Being separated from God forever. In a place called the lake of fire. Separated from God. Forever separated. And we know that God is love. And we know that God is light. There'll be no light. There'll be no love there. There'll be nothing that God Himself is in that place. Because He will not be there. Oh, what a horrible thing death is. That second death. To be separated from God. To be cast into the lake of fire. In the garden. Jesus Christ made this request. He said... And he went a little further, farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. We know that in that particular situation, Jesus Christ has taken on the, 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 the flesh. But not the flesh as we understand it. Sinful flesh. But again, he had a, a, a heavenly father, an earthly mother, and a, that earthly mother provided him a body. He was God in flesh, we know. And it gets complicated here, because now we have Jesus, who is God in flesh, crying out to God, the Father in heaven. And he says, Father in heaven. He's saying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He's not talking about some kind of pain or just suffering. That's not really the issue here. It wasn't that Jesus was unwilling to go to the cross necessarily. He did not want to suffer, I'm sure, in his flesh. He didn't want to experience pain like any other person wouldn't want to experience pain. But it wasn't the physical pain on Calvary that he was so concerned about. I believe that cup had to do with the fact that he would be separated from the Heavenly Father in that sense. That he would not be with anymore. There would be a break of fellowship because of sin. He says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And again, I don't believe that that was the physical death. I believe it was that sense of being separated from the father in heaven. In 1 Peter 2.24, who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. The fact is that Jesus Christ bore your sin in His own body on the tree. That He took your sin that was rightfully yours and He took it on Himself and in Himself. And as a result of that, when God the Father viewed Jesus on Calvary bearing the sin of the world, He had to turn His back on His own Son. Because sin always separates but Jesus being perfect met the demands of the law and your sin and mine was nailed to that cross and may I say that Jesus was still God and he rose again the third day it wasn't his sin it was yours and mine That he bore. The psalmist once said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. See, you and I have nothing to fear as long as we are forgiven, saved. And have entered into a relationship with the Lord. Nothing to fear. See, for the believer, death is a mere shadow. And shadows don't harm us. I've often used this in funerals, but a pastor was driving along with his children to his wife's funeral where he was scheduled to do the the preaching even. As they came into one small town, there was a big truck that pulled up beside the, the, them at a red light. And it was the biggest truck the preacher had ever seen. And the sun was kind of shining on it. And, and at just the right angle, it took its shadow and it kind of cast it over against the snowbank, And it just was huge, that shadow was. And he looked at his children and... He asked them, he said, let me ask you a question, kids. If you had to be run over, would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow? And his youngest child said, well, the shadow couldn't hurt anybody. He said, that's right. And then he continued and said, and death is a truck but the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. And may I say that truck ran over Jesus Christ that day so that only the shadow would touch us. Here's the reality. Because He came, I can go. I can go to a place called heaven. I can be in the very presence of God forever and ever and ever. Why? Because He came. If Jesus Christ would never have come, I could never go. But He did. And may I say not only that, but because He came, you can go too. I remember making a visit on one of our faithful church members one evening. She was a 71-year-old lady who had been healthy all of her life. But now she had stage 3 breast cancer. As I spoke to her, I made this statement. I said, you know, all those years of serving the Lord and living for Him are paying off now, aren't they? And she said, they sure are. See, she had been close to the Master for a number of years. Her life and... And like all of our lives, was riddled with trials. It was riddled with tribulation. She had difficulty and disappointments. But God had brought her through all of it. There, with death looming over her, she said this to me. She said, I am so blessed. I'm so blessed. <laughs> How could she say that in the midst of such I mean, serious circumstances? Ominous circumstances. I mean, she had stage 3 cancer. It didn't look good. I'll tell you why. It was all because he came. She could go. Because he came, she could go. And because of that fact, she could, with confidence, say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine. She knew she was going to heaven. Wow, I tell you what, that was inspiring to me. I remember another lady that received news that she had leukemia in our church. Leukemia. Weak in body but strong in spirit, she faced it head on. Both her and her husband did. What a difference their faith made in Jesus Christ. And it was a personal relationship that they had. It wasn't just that they believed in God. It was that they had a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. She had lived her life serving the Lord as well. But, in, but, but that in and of itself really didn't provide the peace of God that she needed. What really provided her the peace that she needed was that she had already experienced a walk with the Lord. She had a personal relationship. Too many times we wait till the bad time comes to try to develop a relationship with the only one that can make the difference in our life. We need to continue that relationship, start it early on, and walk through life with Jesus. And allow Him to be real in our life. Not just when troubles come, but every day. He had come 2,000 years ago. Lived a sinless life, died a perfect Savior, and provided a complete salvation for this woman. And she had confidence that heaven would be her home. Have you ever watched someone die that had confidence? Isn't it an amazing thing to watch? Isn't it an inspiring thing? To stand at the side of their bed or to sit holding their hand and them encourage you instead of you encouraging them? Isn't that amazing? The only reason that they can do that is because He came. And because He came, they can go. And may I say that you and I can be in that position one day. Sure, that we may have some reservations about leaving this world and this life. It's all we know. Sure, we may struggle with what we'll leave behind or possibly the journey that we'll take. But the fact is, is we can have confidence and be at peace with the fact that we'll be in heaven one day. Why? Because He came. Martin Luther said these last words, Our God is the God from whom cometh salvation. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. John Knox said, live in Christ, live in Christ, and the flesh need not fear death. John Wesley made this statement, the best of all is, God is with us. The best of all is, God is with us. And he went on to say, farewell, farewell. (laughs) Charles Wesley said this, his brother, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness, satisfied John Bradford, he was an English reformer and martyr. He was best known for his utterance, But for the grace of God, there go I. Bradford was a faithful man. And during Bloody Mary's reign, he was confined to the Tower of London. And he would never escape. History records that he was taken to the Newgate Prison near Smithfield and burned at the stake. As a fellow martyr was being tied to, that stake, to the stake there beside him, Bradford looked into his eyes and noticed the fear. He calmly told him this. He said, be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord tonight. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Let me ask you. Do you want that when you face your appointment? I do. You better work on that walk in relationship with the Lord. It all begins with a relationship with Him. And it's not something that we pick up and set down, it has to be a person that we receive, and then we continue to cultivate a relationship with Him. But because He came, I can go. You're lost today without Christ. You've never received Him. You've never invited Him into your life. My friend, I want you to know that you can have this confidence, that you can know that heaven's your home, but it only is a result of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a sinner without hope. And Jesus will take your sin upon Himself and in Himself, and He will cleanse you and wash you and give you an eternal home if you receive it. And you too can have confidence. To face death knowing that heaven will be your home one day. Because he came, I can go. And that's true for you this morning as well. We're all going to face death. The question is, how will we face it? Will we face it alone? Or will we face it with Jesus Christ? The Lord is God. My shepherd. The psalmist had confidence because the Lord was his shepherd. Is he yours today? Have you invited him into your life? May God help you to do so this morning. To settle your soul's salvation. And if you're a child of God, may we take steps today to be prepared for the inevitable tomorrow. Father, we come to you.